Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Song, with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl. And it's another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. How are you doing, folks? It's actually a loaded question, right? Because I ask that question every week because I genuinely care. I really want to know how you're doing, but I'm going to answer the question this week. I'm sick. I spent the entire weekend on the couch. I'm recording this right now on a Monday morning. And here's the killer is I have this recording to do today. And then tomorrow I'm speaking all day at a SAS North show. And we had a booth and everything else. And we got a ton of meetings lined up. And that's tomorrow. And then Wednesday, I'm on stage speaking for 40 minutes about the power of social selling, which I know my guest I'm going to have on today is a huge fanatic of, loves social selling, massive advocate for You're going to see that shortly. And teach people how to use LinkedIn and, in other words, what not to do. Like templates, like sending a message like, hi, Daryl, we do this. Can I have 15 minutes in your calendar tomorrow at 10 a.m.? Like, that's bad. So don't do that. So I'm trying to nurse my voice all weekend long to do that. And so I can speak to you today and I can speak on the stage on Wednesday and I can speak all day tomorrow. So that's my hell. And you in the sales profession, you get it, right? Because you make your living on the phone. I mean, sure, there's email and the social and maybe there's SMS. But really, I mean, when you're on your game, you're either on the phone or you're on a video meeting and it's about sounding good. Well, you feel my pain. So brothers and sisters, welcome to my painful world. If you hear me sniffling along the way... I apologize. Also, though, to make it better, my guest today, who you're going to meet shortly, took it upon himself to make himself sick just to make me feel better, which I think is very magnanimous. So I got a question for you. For many of you, this is not going to make any sense at all. For others, you're going to totally get it. I am at a certain vintage in my career. Many of you know I am 52 years old, and I think my guest is of a comparable vintage. He may be a tad younger. We shall see. And there's a thing that happens with this vintage. Everything old is new again. But the challenge is the newbies, you know, those of you who've just been in the sales force the last five or 10 years, you don't know that what's new is actually old because we did it a decade or two or three ago. It's just got a different name. And it's always interesting because what I'll have is I'll have these newfangled things coming at you. I'll give you some examples, right? So this is one of my favorite ones. ABM, account-based marketing or ABS, account-based selling. Man, this thing is the rage, right? You've got it buzz everywhere. Are you doing an ABM? Are you all in an ABS? Blah, blah, blah. It's like everything. And it's like, what do you mean? And I got news for you, folks. When I hear that, I just roll my eyes at you. That may offend you, and I'm sorry. It's not meant to, but let me explain why I roll my eyes. I roll my eyes because account-based marketing or account-based selling is not new. The acronym is new. Now, when I grew up, when I was in the sales world in the 90s, we called this TAS, Target Account Selling. IBM was the dominant force behind Target Account Selling. But let me ask you this, candidly. Do you ever see a world where you wouldn't identify your key accounts and pursue them relentlessly. Yes, you've got maybe the top 50 or 100 accounts you want. Then you get the next 500 or 1,000 accounts. That's tier two. Then maybe another 5,000, tier three, whatever stratification you want. 
But I mean, just because ABM or ABS is all the rage, don't go thinking that this is the best thing since sliced bread. It's not. It's old. Just reinvent it. And it works. And the reason it's hot is because it does work. That's the thing with sales. With sales, there are so many things out there that people are saying, you got to do this. Social selling. You got to do that. Account-based selling. When the reality is everything we're doing, if we're doing it right, it's just traditional. It's just the standards. It's just blocking and tackling. It's just what always worked. Another example of that would be the phone. The phone is hot again. Why is it hot again? Well, it's hot again because of things like GDPR, because I can't spam my people to death. So guess what? I got to pick up the phone. But the phone never went out of style. That's the thing with selling. The foundations, the basics, those things never go out of style. And if you're not good with that, then you're not going to succeed. So get your basics down solid, which leads me to introduce today's guests. Let me bring on to the stage best-selling author of this book right here, Sales Truth, Mike Weinberg. I am so stoked to have this man today. If you don't know him from his sales books, previously, of course, best-selling author of New Sales, Simplified, then you would know him as one of the four horsemen, I believe Chris Beale gave him that name, of the Outbound Conference fame, him and Hunter and, and Anarino are the original four amigos who just kick and Jeb. ass. And, and Jeb, Jeb Blunt. Yes. Thank you. I should not lose Jeb. That would be bad. Thank you, Mike. Mike, welcome to the show. I don't even know where to start. I just want you to know that as you kicked off in the opening there, uh, empathy is a, a very important gift in sales. And the part of the reason I got myself sick was to show empathy for you <laughs> and make you, look, make you look better as a host. And just for the record, I am also 52 years old, and that is a great age, Daryl. So it is a great age. I, I kept wanting to interrupt you during the opening. I don't know if my mic was hot, but I could just listen to you talk about sales and reality and truth all day long. So thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so glad we set this up. I had to bring the audience in on an inside joke. So I was saying that Mike is a huge fan of social selling. And while he is a user of social media, he's also an individual who says social selling on its own is not going to get you to your quota. Did I say that? Well, look at him. He's all wound up and ready to go and jump on this. Go for it, Mike. Talk to me about that. I'm a user of social and I'm a fan of social as an aspect of selling. I think in my first book, seven years ago, I wrote, it's a great supplement to, not a replacement for our traditional selling efforts. And not much has changed over those seven years. Or I get wound up and I don't hold back and you can read about it in Sales Truth, is when the people who are promoting social selling make it into something bigger than it really is. And they say stupid stuff like, Everything that used to work in sales doesn't. The phone is dead. You're a Luddite and a dinosaur if you even dare try to interrupt somebody. And a lot of people that are purveyors of social preach crazy stuff like, don't do it. Instead, you should copy Gary Vee or Kylie Jenner and you know put out all kinds of crazy content. And then people will come running to you when they're exactly 57% through their buying process. That's a, another whole conversation when they're ready to buy. And I, I would tell you, I have a lot of business and so do my friends from Outbound and that are teaching there because there are sales teams that are opportunity starved waiting for people to jump into their funnel because they got really good at tweeting and perfecting their LinkedIn profile and commenting in groups and putting out content. I love that stuff. I use it. I would be a hypocrite if I told you otherwise. A lot of my business comes from inbound efforts. 
but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be blending it together with good old-fashioned stuff, just the way you described in the opening. And that was really the genesis, was it not? I mean, you tell me, of the outbound conference, right? I mean, it's not the social selling conference. <laughs> it's not the account-based selling conference. It's just outbound. Yeah, because outbound still works, and it, and it gets a bad name. I think Anthony is the creator. He was the mastermind, and he sat there one day, and there, you know, there's this crazy conference for all these people that want to talk about inbound. We have all of these companies in this amazing breadth of industries from defense to big data, from uniforms to distribution, from SaaS to trash, from payroll services to plastics. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And in all these companies where we're doing work, people are having tremendous success creating their own sales opportunities. Many of those opportunities being created through traditional prospecting effort, old school, email, telephone, networking, trade associations, pop-in prospecting. I've got a couple companies I work with, both in the insurance space, in the construction supply space, in the communication space. They're still knocking on doors. We get really offended and, and frustrated when people in a movement, particularly the social selling movement, like to say dangerous things that tickle the ears of gullible, weak salespeople who are looking for an easy button. And part of the reason that Jeb and Anthony and Mark and I would, would go so crazy defending the value of outbound is because... It was the salesperson who was most vulnerable that would fall for the nonsense that, oh, if I just go make a bunch of videos and write a bunch of posts, my business is going to take off. I don't need the phone. And yet in all those types of companies I described, we could take you into real salespeople who are crushing it, generating their own sales opportunities through traditional methodology. You have companies, clients who still go out and knock on doors, so to speak. Total sidebar, I'm not pitching here, folks, just sharing. One of the biggest features in VanillaSoft that gets the biggest reaction from so many of our prospects is we have the ability to go and draw a map. Well, here are the boundaries, meaning the rep, the outdoor, the out, the outside rep is who's going to be knocking on those doors. It's going to be in that location, you know, tomorrow or the next two days. And so here are the boundaries of where he's going or she's going to go and hang out in her car and knock on doors. And then it will work with the inside reps, actually optimize and set up a Appointments for them to maximize their time out in the field. My point I raise this is because that actually is still common and effective. So many of us get blinded by what sales professionals do in one industry, and that industry is high tech. But there are so many other industries out there, folks. Let me tell you that. Like in our case, high tech is on 18% of our install base. Insurance, finance, you talk about manufacturing, all these companies still want to do face-to-face -face stuff. And that's an important part of selling. I got to ask a question. No, no, I need to say something. I want to say it. thank you because I think part of what's happened in the last decade or so is that a lot of the noise in the sales industry comes out of Silicon Valley yes. or out of Boston. Yep. So some big voices that have big platforms that are on the coasts. I'm not going political here because I live in the Midwest because I'm from New York and I get the coasts. But what you're describing is this mania towards new tool, tech stack, social, don't interrupt making fun of people that use traditional methods. A lot of it emanates from the coasts, from the elites in sales who became very popular in the tech world. And when these people write and make blanket statements regularly in LinkedIn posts and in their comments, making fun of people that use traditional methods, they're ignoring the fact that the average guy that sells Mack trucks or works for an industrial distributor selling some type of supplies to some factory or even just other type of territory sales jobs around the world, their customer isn't necessarily on LinkedIn looking for IP or trying to solve their problem. It's a fallacy. So I just want to thank you for pointing out the thing where just because it works in tech 
it doesn't mean it works everywhere else or that that's the only way or the right way. So kudos for bringing that up. I would even go one step further. Just because tech does it doesn't mean it's right. You got to pick what's right for you, which is probably why I loved the book. I'm going to pitch the book for a second, guys. So I mentioned this weekend I was sick. So I knew I was going to talk to Mike today. Uh, the book's been on my to-do list for forever. And I actually got off my butt. I drove to the bookstore. I'm going to get the hard copy because my plan is I'm going to get this guy to sign this someday. And I drove. I bought it. I bought this book in one day. This book is awesome. I was sharing with Mike before we went live. I was taking pictures of certain pages and sending it to my colleagues nonstop all weekend long saying, this, this, see what he says here, this. So talk to me, Mike. Why did you write the book? I wrote the book for a couple of reasons. Some of it was righteous anger. Early chapters I take on the industry because I think there are charlatans in our space promoting their way. The common phrase of the last few years has been, Everything in sales has changed and nothing that used to work still works. And I hear that. And then I contrast that with what I see with my own eyes in the breadth of the type of companies and industries I described earlier. And I say, no, that's not true. In a lot of places where I'm seeing top producers, they're deploying the very same best practices they did a few years ago, five years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. So clearly everything has not changed. So I wanted to set the record straight. And I wanted to actually quote some of the the crazies in our industry and put their own words out there public. Because I think they get away with a lot of things, posting things on LinkedIn that their fanboys like and share, but the general public really never sees it. I called out some of the nonsense in the industry. And then in the second half of the book, I really broke it down into a couple segments. I've got this six-chapter run where I talk about what does it really take to become a creator? So you're creating, not just chasing. You're being proactive, not just reactive. And all the benefits that accrue to you as a seller who is being strategic, who owns their calendar, who has the right attitude, who's taking responsibility for filling your own funnel. And so there's a whole bunch there. I know you want to go into that section for sure. And then, and then later on, I just talk about some other best practices. My favorite chapter is chapter 15, where I highlight two of the best salespeople I've ever seen on this planet. I love that neither chapter. Are my client, neither are my clients. So I take no credit for their success, which makes the stories even better. And they're very different people in very different industries. But I want to include that for the sales population to see these two individuals who are crushing it, making crazy money at the top of the game in their various industries, have no tricks, no shortcuts, no secret sauce. They just work their ass off. They know their business. They know their customer. They've mastered the fundamentals. I included that because I wanted people to be encouraged that there's no magic and there's no shortcut. So there's that. And there's a couple chapters about not getting commoditized and falling in that procurement pit. I wrote it because those are the issues I'm seeing in real companies. And I felt like I was in a position because of the success of the other two books on my platform to hit people hard with some truth and take on some of the nonsense. I loved your book. I loved your analogy of chapter 15, especially the Volvo sales rep. One of the things I loved, especially, I loved, 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 you go into how you don't need to let procurement drive the process and how you work against procurement. And you set the stage up front. You're not afraid to walk away. It's all about communication. One of the, the best line I got out of the whole book, folks, was when you get that objection the first time, and I hope I'm not giving anything away here, but read the book. It's worth it. One line Mike shares when they say, no, I don't want a meeting. He uses the line, well, why don't you just visit with me anyway, and I will show you X, Y, and Z. And that line, it's such a beautiful, non-confrontational line. Love that. When we come back, 
there's five things that Mike talked about. We're going to hit today. It's going to help you folks dramatically. I know it about, as he says, it's going to help you fill the top of your sales funnel. We may not have time for all five, but we're going to hit at least three of them. We'll talk about all five. So don't go away because this part's the best part. So stay tuned. We'll be back. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing-qualified leads into sales-qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. Let's talk about, you bring this up at the end of chapter six. Uh, my hardcover book, it was around page 70, and I was so impressed because I went in this morning, I was talking to my crew, and I said, page 70, that was gold for me, and it was still page 70, I remember that, it stuck out so much. You said there's five things that we need to do to fill the top of the sales funnel, which was you need to have, and you go into each of this, and each cha- there's a chapter, if I recall, dedicated to each of these five points. The right attitude, intentional calendar management, I love this topic, strategic targeting show me the list with periods between each word really really good compelling messaging the marketer in me was like can i get an amen brother the compelling messaging stuff was fantastic all right and the elevator pitch i'm going to use it tomorrow i don't give it away but mike sales leaders like yourself will often invest in vanilla soft if and i'm going to carry on and a commitment to prospecting this almost ties back to intentional counter management We've talked on the show multiple times about the right attitude, mindset, etc. Go to past episodes for that. I'm going to skip that for now. We've never talked about intentional calendar management. This is gold, and it's such an easy thing to do, and so many aren't doing it. And you use a really good description in the book about what a typical sales rep's day often looks like. On the surface, it looks like it was really busy, but the reality was he didn't do anything. So talk to me about this tactic. We could talk for days about this. It's amazing. Uh, Anthony Anarino and I joke about this a lot, but how much of success comes down to time? Anthony calls it me management, right? I call it the art of becoming selfishly productive. Sales is different. No one cares how many hours you work. We don't get paid to move stuff around. There are no prizes for having inbox zero. I see a lot of salespeople that spend 50 hours a week working, but they're not working on things that accomplish the only three sales verbs that matter. There are only three verbs that matter in sales. Create, advance, close. Our whole life should be focused around when we're working. Creating new opportunities, advancing existing opportunities, and closing warm opportunities. And I watch salespeople work. They deliver parts to customers and they play inbox jockey and they're all over customer service requests. They jump in, they're helping out operations. Right now, we're recording this, it's holiday season. They're the ones decorating for the Thanksgiving Day party. They're doing everything, right? They're making little pop-in courtesy calls on their favorite accounts. I'll share this, and we'll talk probably a little bit more about it later. There's no data that says that spending extra time with a non-growable existing account 
is going to increase your sales. Makes you feel good because they like you. Makes them feel good because you're serving them. But over-serving or babysitting, dare I say, an existing customer that is not incrementally growable actually hurts, doesn't help your sales. So all of that thrown together is a strong message to salespeople. You got to look at your time. You can't make more time. And I can't believe that companies pay me real money to tell them this, but how often I need to sit down with an executive and go, I found your biggest sales problem. And unfortunately, (laughs) it's really simple. And I always make sure I cash the check before I tell a senior executive this. But the reason you don't have more new sales, the reason your people aren't winning net new business is because they don't spend enough time working on that. They're working, but they're doing everything else but hunting, trying to put opportunities in the top of the funnel. And that's why I went so deep in that chapter and was so blunt in some of my descriptions about how we spend slash waste our time. So you talk about one one tactic when it comes to managing your calendars. You're not wasting your time. So you are prospecting as opposed to servicing is time blocking. So can you elaborate on that? It's the simplest concept in the world. It's been out there forever. It's been popular forever. I've learned it from Michael Hyatt. I learned it from Alan Weiss. Right now there's books about being indistractable. I'm losing the author's name, but I just read that book over my last trip. Cal Newport, Digital Minimalism and Deep Work, two very influential books. They all say virtually the same thing. You got to take back control of your calendar. And it means you go in there and you put little blocks, offensive blocks around your highest value activities. And you make appointments with yourself to work on things that actually move the needle. You don't prospect by accident. My dear friend, Mark Hunter, he's got a rule in his book, High Profit Prospecting. It's a myth. He says, the myth is I'll prospect after I take care of my existing customers. And the reason it's a myth because it never happens. Unless you carve out the time, you won't do it because prospecting isn't urgent. It doesn't call you. And there's always something easier or more urgent and definitely more attractive to do than initiating contact with people that don't know you. So we find other things to do, even if it's over-serving an existing customer. So go in your calendar and carve out little blocks of time, even if it's only 60 or 90 minutes, to work on creating new sales opportunities. And when you're in that time block, stay focused. Don't take inbound communication. Don't be distracted. Get off social media and just do what you got to do. Make your outbound emails. Make your outbound phone calls. Do whatever the research but everything has to be completely focused because if you don't, it'll never happen. And then the day and all the crap that hits the fan will prevent you from doing your most important activities. In the book, you even talk about you don't need to be super responsive on email because there was a day when we didn't have email. No email. one's going to die, Daryl. No one's going to die. <laughs> no one's going to die if you don't get back to them for an hour unless right. you're an emergency room doctor. And that's a different conversation. I got one client in a very reactive business where they must respond to client inquiries immediately. Otherwise, they're going to call the competitor. But that's one out of hundreds of companies that I'm in. If you get back to somebody in 59 minutes after your time block is over, most people would say, that's awesome. Let me also say one other thing to salespeople because I go deep in the chapter on this. Stop saying stupid crap to customers like, I'm your guy, I'm your gal. Anything you need, you call me, you text me. I'll drop everything. I'll be right there. Dude, I long for the days before we all had cell phones. And when customers needed something, you know who they called? Customer service. Because they knew you were a salesperson. You were actually out on the road seeing customers, making appointments on airplanes. Part of it is with our smartphones and connectivity, we have allowed customers to use us as their personal concierge. And while that sounds good and it's great in the name of customer retention, it actually hinders our new business development success because we're overly tied to those existing accounts that see us as their service people. 
we've overlapped a few things there. So the five points he talks about the right attitude, which is straightforward, calendar management. So we talk about time blocking when you're going to do email, time blocking when you're going to do social, time blocking when you're going to do prospecting, all right? His fifth point is related. We just talked about commitment to prospecting. No excuses. This is a discipline. And we've talked about this before. I had a conversation with Andy Paul recently. I'm in one of his eBooks. 61 people, yes. What's the number one habit? And my statement was discipline. And the reason was discipline was really related to prospecting. You have the discipline to do it every single day. That is reserved. That's on your calendar. No excuses, no distractions. That is inviolate. You cannot break that discipline. Now, he talks a little bit about strategic targeting, which effectively means you know who you're going after. You know them by name. You've identified them. He does a fantastic job in this book, and I won't give it away. He talks about a sales rep who is, we'll say, he's a little awkward, stands out from the crowd as not being part of the normal sales profile. And he's hammering it. He's kicking ass. So when Mike went to investigate, because the CEO wanted to know why this awkward rep is doing so well, he actually understood it all made sense because this rep had spent so much time targeting who he thought was the right fit. The last thing was compelling messaging. Now, we're out of time. But the one thing I wanted to hit on was the one point you talked about is compelling messaging. You've got 30 seconds, Mike. Talk to my audience about the power and the necessity for compelling messaging. Most salespeople are awful when they message, when they tell their story, when they open their mouth, when they write, because they're self-focused. They're either talking or writing about their company or their product. And the consequences of that are awful. At best, you're getting commoditized. At worst, you're getting completely ignored. The key to compelling messaging is as quickly as possible in written and oral communication or even in a PowerPoint deck to get to the issues we address for our clients and the outcomes we produce. And and the easiest way to do that is to bridge into those issues because it's not natural. When someone says, tell me about your business or you're just talking, the most common way we default is saying, we do this, we're a manufacturer, we're the best, we've been in business this long, here's our history, here's why we're so wonderful, here's our cool product. And all of that faces resistance because it feels like a pitch to the customer. And the way to get their guard down and intrigue them and engage their heart and their mind is to lead with stuff that's on their mind. They've got problems they want solved. They've got pains they love removed. There are outcomes they're trying to achieve. They're under pressure to achieve a different type of result. And if we can get that out first, everything changes when we message. I go really deep and give you a couple great exercises in Chapter 10 to help you do that. I just love, love, love that. I'm going to roll that out to my own sales crew. Anyway, we're out of time, guys. I apologize. I could talk to Mike all day long. Buy the book. It's, it's awesome. What I love most about this book, candidly, Mike shoots straight, nothing varnished, no agenda. He's just pleading with you to do the basics and he gives you so many cool tricks. The five things you need to do to fill up the top of your funnel, sales truth from Mike Weinberg. What's the best way for people to follow you or to get a hold of you? It's Mike underscore Weinberg on Twitter and on Instagram and MikeWeinberg.com is where I blog and you can find out more. Thank you for having me, Daryl. Thanks for your sponsorship Outbound. You know, I'm not I'm not going to be involved this year, but I'm pumped for those guys. I think 2020 Outbound is going to be the, the best conference they've had yet. We're devastated that you're not there, but we know why and we respect it. But the next best thing, folks, sales truth. My name is Daryl Prail. This is Inside Inside Sales. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. Sponsored by VanillaSoft. <laughs>